Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and I'm coming to you right after the Rangers' disappointing loss tonight at Madison Square Garden to the first place New Jersey Devils, who are an absolute roll this season. But the Rangers suffer their third straight loss and just a, a night that started off well with two quick goals in the first period. And you thought maybe this Rangers team finally has it going again. Maybe they had a little fire lit under their ass after a couple two, you know, two struggle games there. But um, the dirt, the Devils erased that lead pretty quickly in the first, dominated the second period, and then held on in the third. Uh, the Rangers got one goal there from Vincent Trocheck to make it four to three to kind of give a little bit of hope uh, with about six minutes left in the third period. But uh, they couldn't get anything. They couldn't get the uh, equalizer there late in the third, and the Devils scored an empty netter to put the nail in the coffin on the Rangers. So, you know, last week I talked about not time to panic, and Ranger fans need to realize they're still in the playoffs, and then they go out there this week and lose all three games they play since our last episode, and really in terrible fashion. You have the Anaheim Ducks uh, last Wednesday, who have not won a game in regulation yet this season, beat the Rangers in regulation. A game that the Rangers were, again, leading and gave the lead in. Then you have probably, oh, man, there's been some bad third periods this year, but I I guess it's the worst third period uh, because you gave up a three-goal lead. The Rangers dominate Edmonton with world-class, you know, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl on the team, dominate them. 3-0 Three nothing going to the fourth period. That uh, they're going to the third period. Then all of a sudden they give four unanswered, four unanswered goals in the third period. At some point, I was kind of th- I was like, why is Gallant not taking just a timeout? Just calm down the guys, kind of give them a breather, get the head back into it. And it wasn't even those. It wasn't even McDavid and Drysaddle who were beating them. It was 
the third and fourth string guys and the defensemen jump into play. It wasn't the, I mean, Dreisaitl scored the game winner eventually uh, on the power play on a late bad penalty by Lafreniere, who took another bad penalty in the third period in tonight's game. So Dreisaitl scored the game winner on the power play, but the other three goals weren't those guys. They didn't contribute to those goals. This is embarrassing, an absolute embarrassing loss for the Rangers. And then tonight was embarrassing. 2 nothing, and then you get your doors blown off in the second period. You're down 4-2 to on the third. Devil fans are chanting, chanting Igor at the Garden. You know, all of a sudden the Devil fans are, are now back at MSG after coming out of hiding after, uh, you know, six, seven years of, uh, <laughs> of of staying on the other side of the huts and they're, they're back at MSG chanting. Good for them. Hey, listen, the Devil fans, they should be happy. Their team's playing fantastic. Um, I think it was the Rangers came with the game winning. Uh, they won the nine of the last ten games against the Devils. So you know, it's a big deal for the Devil fans. And, you know their team's playing great. Rangers saw it last year. They had a little Cinderella run. Devils right now are red hot to start the year. Who knows if they can keep it up? But you know they finally have goaltending, which was the big issue last year. And uh, you know they're a team that can score, and they they're fast, they're young, they're fun to watch. But the Rangers, I mean, they have the pieces there. It. I like the new line tonight. I like Heedle playing up in the top six. I thought, you know, he set up that nice goal with uh, Panarin. I thought that was a great play. I thought Keandre Miller played better tonight. Jacob Truba with an awful turnover. He, I know, apparently he's playing hurt and whatever else, but if he needs some time off, give the guy some time off because he is bad right now. He's just trying to throw body checks all over the place. He's whiffing on guys. He's getting out of position. It's uh, it's a rough go right now for the Rangers captain. And, you know, the dry saddle thing with him smacking the stick out of his hands and him just putting his head down afterwards instead of going after him like that, that was tough to see. Because if that happened last year, I think Truba goes after someone. I think he right now is just not checked out, but I think right now he's just struggling. I think he's right now on the struggle bus and he needs to get himself off it quickly because he's the leader of this team. And that locker room's got a lot of veterans in it, and they have to figure it out. And I, I, I was watching the post game tonight, and Igor Shosturkin, kind of like Henrik Lundqvist, after a bad loss, kind of put it on him. But listen, it is not the goalie's fault. And Igor said the goalie, you know, it was the goalie's fault. Goalie, you know, told himself, you know, the goalie didn't have a good game. Put it on me. I've been terrible. I've been bad lately. Believe me, it is not Igor's fault. And this team, the defensive miscues and everything else, they leave him a dry half the time. So, and, and I want to play this for you. This is from Gerard Gerlant tonight, talking about the Rangers team. It was actually brought up by our friend and former guest, Vince Pacagliano, who does a great job covering the team. He asked a couple of very good questions in the postgame. You can check this on the Rangers YouTube. They have all the postgame interviews there. But here's just a small 30-second clip from tonight's Gallant, uh, Gallant interview of him talking about him, uh, Vince bringing up the fact that Igor said he was a problem, and this is what uh, Gallant had to say about that. We just talked to Igor. He was pretty harsh on himself. He put it on mm-hmm. himself. I mean, I'm sure there's a few he'd like back, but do you see the goalie as, the, as a problem in this, or how do you feel? The team's a problem. The whole group of us, coaches, the whole group. You know, we got to turn it around. Tonight was a good night to try and turn it around with the team that we were playing. Like I said, they're a young team, but they play hard, they play fast. They're, you know, I wouldn't say they're a, surp- they're a surprise team of the year, but uh, they look really good and they played hard, and, uh, you know, Lindy's did a good job with that team. They got a lot of confidence and they play the right way. The team's the problem. The coach is the problem. They're all the problem. And it's true. They are all the problem. But the Rangers got to figure it out. They have to figure this out fast. I know there's people calling for Gallant's head. I don't think that's the right move. It's very early in the season. You know, the Rangers have a team coming up here against St. Louis Blues who, again, two couple years ago were 
in last place and they turn it around. So, I mean, they have the pieces. I, I honestly think that Chris Drury should make a move earlier than later for the season. Now that they have a little bit of cap flexibility with Ryan Reeves gone, I don't know how they can pull it off, but they have the Rangers need another score on this team and they need some help defensively. Cause right now, as much as I like Zach Jones, you know, he's given up a couple bad goals, gave up tonight, whiffed on the clear, they scored a goal. Hike obviously has been up and down this year with his play. So they need someone and Schneider's been fine, but he's twenty years old. They need a, a same Justin Braun type player back there who can be a veteran, solid person, solid guy in the back line, play third uh, you know the third pairing minutes kill some penalties but it's kind of like a calming force back there they thought they had with Nemeth last year wasn't the case they found out LeBron this year they went young the salary cap issues and I think it kind of bit them in the butt a little bit here so that's what I would like to see the Rangers do but it was nice to hear Galan say that everyone's the issue it's not Igor everyone's the issue because not and I hate him taking you know hey that's good on Igor good teammate by him and like I said Henrik Lundqvist used to do it all the time Take the you know take the blame for the rest of the team, but I would like to have heard. I know Truba spoke after the game too, just about you know disappointing loss, blah blah. blah. But I want to hear from Zabajan and Kreider because those are the guys who drive that offense. I want to hear from Panarin really because he's been struggling. You know his goal. You know he finally scored tonight, which I think broke like a twelve game streak. I know he got the goal, the goal called back against Edmonton on Saturday, but um, you know he's got to shoot more. He's got to let the shoot the puck more. You know there's been too many games where he's gone to one two shots and didn't even get a shot five on five off. So he needs to be a lot more. Aggressive offensively, and I, I hope maybe having Heedle up there. I would like to see Heedle on the top line. I want to see Heedle play on the wing with Kreider and Zabanajad. Get him on at the center, put him on the wing, because he's looking to shoot the puck. And tonight he had a couple good opportunities. Uh, Vanacek made a couple good saves on him. Won the slot where it was point blank. I can't believe he didn't score. He made a great save on him. But Heedle's been playing well this year. And of all the kids, they've got all gotten their chance up there. You know, Lafreniere's gotten their chance. Kako's gotten his chance. None of them has really, have really grabbed that opportunity. I think Heedle could be the young kid that's going to grab that opportunity. So I'd like to see him get a chance on the top line with those guys. But, hey, he he's playing with Panarin now. He's playing with, um, you know, a top guy right now. So we'll see. We'll see if he can turn it around, these new lines uh, that Galan has rolled out there. Because this week, I mean, if the Rangers don't get it going this week, it's maybe not going to happen this year. you got Ottawa coming up in a back-to-back, home-and-home Wednesday and Friday night, Ottawa's in last, dead last place in the division. Then you have another last place team in Chicago coming to the Garden on a Saturday night. So the Rangers play it back-to-back, which I'm sure some people find as an excuse for them. Um, and then Monday they play St. Louis, another team who's struggled. You know, they're 500 right now. They had a really, I think it was an eight-game losing streak. Then they're bouncing back a little bit, lost a couple games here and there. Uh, but those are four games that the Rangers will be favored and should win. And the St. Louis, again, is at home too. So you have a couple home games. And then a game in Ottawa, last place team, then you have three straight home games. But you play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. So it is a little bit of a tough sled with the amount of days you're playing, but you're playing teams that you're better than. And if the Rangers don't come out of this better than 3-1, I don't know. You go into a little bit of a tougher schedule around Christmas time, and then you're coming out New Year's, and you want to be in that playoff spot come New Year's Day. You want to be in a playoff spot that's kind of like the, the, the turn of the, the calendars when you start kind of peeking at April and seeing that playoff opportunity. And I know a lot of people use Thanksgiving as a marker to see where the team is, but really I always think it's New Year's. I think you see where you are New Year's coming out of that Christmas break. Where's your team, you know, where's your team going? How are they playing? 
And I, I think that's really where the Rangers need to be, either in a number three spot or in a solid wild card position going forward because you know that shows Chris Drew that this team's in it and he can go for it. And if they're eight points back of a playoff spot, you know, maybe the Rangers start selling off pieces. A little bit different. That that's not part of this whole rebuild. This is supposed to be the year that they build on a Eastern Conference final appearance and go back again. Maybe go to the Stanley Cup. Build these kids up, but we have not seen any one of these young players, and frankly, a lot of the veterans step up this year. You know, Zabanja has played great. Kreider's finally scoring, but we've seen Truba take a step back. We've seen Keandre Miller take a step back. You know, Lafreniere I think has taken a little step forward. Kako's really not doing much. I think Hedl's taking a little step forward. Trocheck's a good add. You know, the fourth line's really doing nothing for them right now. So. We'll see. I mean, I think Fox played about 30 minutes tonight. You know, that's just shows you where the Rangers are defensively right now. But we have an awesome guest. We have a really good guest this week. Um, NHL legend Bernie Nichols joins the show. Uh, amazing career. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, over 1,200 points in his career. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup with the L.A. when he came back as a coach with them. A couple years of the Rangers. Uh, obviously, an L.A. King legend had one of the greatest seasons in NHL history when he had 70 goals, 80 assists, and 150 points uh, in 1980-89, where he's only the eighth player ever to score 70 in a season and only the fifth player to put up 150 points in a season. So it was awesome to hear his hockey stories. Uh, it, it was awesome. He's an NHL legend, like I said, should be in the Hall of Fame. Very similar to Steve Larmer uh, argument. Both those guys should be Hall of Famers, so... Uh, it was awesome to talk to him, so make sure you stick around for that interview. But before we send to an interview with Bernie, I do want to tell you about our, our sponsors over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win, and they get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like like which team will win, how many goals they'll be scored, for even more of a shot at a bigger payout. So go and download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code BROADWAY and bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and win $150 in free bets if they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code BROADWAY. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see show notes for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you live in New York, please call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. All right, we're now joined by a very special guest, an NHL legend. Uh, he was a three-time All-Star. The man should be in the Hall of Fame over... 1100 NHL games, over 1200 points in NHL. Bernie Nichols, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two part episode, you'll hear up close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer multiple myeloma. 
I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I go way back, way back, way back. Who was your favorite player and team growing up? You know, my favorite player was Brian Trache. Um, I was a huge, I wasn't a huge Islander fan, but growing up in a small town, I, uh, I didn't really watch any team other than the Toronto Maple Leafs, I guess, because that's all we'd ever get. But when I got a little older, uh, I got to watch the Islanders in their heyday. And I was a huge Brian Trache fan. And then uh, to about 1980, which was right in the smack dab of the dynasty for the Islanders, you have an outstanding uh, OHL year in Kingston. You get drafted in the fourth round by the Kings. What was that draft day experience like for you? Well, it was different than, than it is today, right? Like we didn't go to the draft. And, uh, you know, I knew I was getting drafted just because you're agent and, and you know that you're going to get drafted. You don't know when, but I actually came home driving home and my mom come running out of the house. And, you know, she said, she, because they called, right. The Kings called, she said, you just got drafted to the LA Kings. And, you know, as any boy, your dream is to get drafted. You don't care where uh, you just want to be drafted. So obviously I was very excited. And then I think I saw you come from a hometown. Is it 75 people population of 75 people? Is that how small your hometown is? That's right. I'm uh, I'm probably 15 miles from a bigger town called Halliburton, which I tell everybody I'm from Halliburton, but I'm I'm outside of it. Uh, about when I grew up, there'd be about 75 people. We had one little store, uh, one garage, one restaurant, and just a, we were surrounded by a lake. So the houses were around the lake. It was we had a little school there. So there'd be about 75 people in my little town of West Guilford. And then you end up in Hollywood. I mean, what was that culture shock like for you? Well, if you, you can imagine a small kid, a kid from a small town, right? Playing hockey on frozen ponds and snow. And you go to a, a, a city of 10 million people, uh, palm trees and warm weather, where as a hockey player, you're expecting to play hockey in the cold weather. So it was a culture shock for sure. But uh, it was a great place for me to go. Uh, I've always said when you get drafted to a team, you, you want to go to a team that isn't loaded in your position. And other than Marcel Dion, that was the only person that I, I'd have to worry about. So uh, it was a great place for me to go and a great place to play. Not a bad guy to learn from either, huh? That's right. You know, uh, scored 700 goals. If you can imagine 700 goals in the NHL, and I was fortunate to play uh, with him. It was, it, was, it was awesome for me for sure. 
some great players on those Kings teams too. Uh, Dave Taylor out there, and then a, a young Larry Murphy coming up too. There's, there's some great talent around you on those teams. Yeah, Larry was drafted, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the year before me. Uh, we had Charlie Simmer, Dave Taylor, uh, uh, Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy was our captain and uh, a great player uh, for me. You know, you, you always need someone to kind of take you under their wing. And Mike was our captain, Charlie Simmer, uh, two guys that took care of the, the younger guys. I always like to ask some people about their NHL debuts, 1981 against the Calgary Flames. What were the nerves like going to that game for you? Well, I was probably more excited than anything, but, uh, you know, when people ask me what I remember most about that, uh, it's funny, Jerry Korab, every, everybody remembers Jerry Korab, right? And and in the Corral, we played in the Calgary Corral, and the boards were like five feet high. <laughs> like, you would never... Uh, you couldn't jump over off the bench because you'd break an ankle landing, right? It was so high. But Jerry got hit into the boards uh, in the corner, and I'm standing out in the ice. He's laying in the ice, blood everywhere, and some fan is banging on the glass, and his his teeth are on the ledge of the, the glass. So that was kind of my introduction to the NHL right there. <laughs> uh, uh, your first All-Star game, 1984, uh, how special was it to be named to an all-star team and how cool was that experience for you? Well, there's good and bad with that. Uh, the About two nights before I'm playing in Calgary and I get my jaw broken. Uh, but I go anyways to play. Um, but I had my mom and dad down there. Anytime you get an opportunity to play in an all-star game, you're playing with Gretzky, Messier, uh, all the, the greats. And for me, that was a great experience. And then uh, before the 88-89 season, the biggest train angel history goes down. Uh, Wayne Gretzky to L.A. Do you remember learning about – we just had Glenn Healy on a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about where he was when he learned the deal happened. And how excited were you to know that 99 was coming to L.A.? Well, obviously, like Glenn, thrilled to death. Uh, didn't believe it at first, right? I was on the golf course, and I think it was Jeremy Roenick told me that you guys just traded for Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> And if you can imagine what I said, you're out of your <laughs> effing mind, right? And I'm going, so I called Bruce McNall. Bruce was her owner, and I was real good friends with Bruce. And I said, did you do that? He said, yeah, you bet. He said, uh, we just got Gretzky. And I went, oh, my God. So what a great day for me, obviously, for the, the whole uh, LA Kings uh, organization. It was I, awesome. I, and you went and battled him for years before that. When he walked into the locker room, was there a sense of relief that you didn't have to face him anymore or for that time period? Yeah, from the minute I met him, right, it was uh, obviously just something special. Uh, I got to hang with Wayne every day. Um, everywhere we went, we went together. Uh, got to play with him on the ice. It was just – it was a real special time. Uh, and what an honor for me, right, to, to be able to play with Wayne. In that first year with him, I mean, you have one of the greatest seasons in Angel history, 70 goals. 150 points, one of only eight players of all time to score 70 in a season, one of only five to put up 150 points. I mean, I know Wayne Gretzky's a good player, but uh, some had to be going extra right that year for you to, to be seeing the net that well. Oh, I did. You know, I played with Luke Robitaille and Dave Taylor, but obviously got to play with Gretz a lot too. Uh, but great players bring the best out of everybody, right? And and this was no exception. You know, you got Gretz. I remember different times Wayne would come up to me and just give me a little tap of my knee pads and say, you know, I need you tonight. Right. And you're thinking, Oh my God, you know, 
that's Gretz. So uh, it was just a lot of fun. The net was the size of a soccer <laughs> net for me that year. Uh, things went well every night. So it was just a lot of fun. You, you just couldn't wait to get to the rink every day and, and play. It was just so much fun. Is it crazy? Like you leave the ice, you don't score a goal and you're like disappointing yourself. You almost had a goal a game. Is there like a, a time where, was there like a spot where you're like a couple games in, like you, you didn't score a goal. You're like, what's going on right now? Or is it just every game was just, you hitting the net. You know what? I went into a, a little slump uh, later in the year, probably around maybe when I had 60 or maybe 55 or something like that. I went probably uh, seven or eight games where I was in a bit of a slump and, and it was tough, right? Because like you said, you're used to scoring every night when it's not going in. Uh, I probably got away from working, just took it for granted that it was just going to be easy, right? And, and kind of gave up on the working part. And, but uh, it didn't take long to, to flip it back. And all you need is one goal. And once you get that, you're, you're gone again. So I did go through a little time, but uh, it wasn't too long. Was there a point in the season where you're like, all right, like I had 50 in the mind, then you had 60 in the mind, then you had 70 in the mind. Was there like, you keep on going up, like how high can I keep get this going to? Like was 70 a number that, when did it hit you? Like, oh man, I'm going to score, I can score 70 goals this year. Well, probably like I scored 50 in the 51st game. I, I had a chance in the 50th. Obviously you try to get that, but then it kept going good to 60. Once you get close. You, you never think of, oh, God, I want to score 60 goals right now. I want to score 70. But once you get into the 60, when I was right around, you know, 64, 65, you're good. But when you get close to the 70, you always want to, you know, 70 sounds so much better than, uh, you know, 69 or yeah. uh, 40, 50 sounds so much better than 48 or 49, right? Like you just need to get that the next one. So uh, mine was it was uh, my last game because we didn't, Gretz and I didn't play the 80th game. This was 79th game. And I, I got three goals that night against Vancouver. So uh, it was kind of, it, it ended up pretty good. Yeah, no, nice round numbers. There's 70 and 150. It makes it yeah. look so much better. And the, the back of the playing card, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, uh, no doubt. The next year you're off to another great start. You have 75 points, the all-star game. You show up as a King and you leave as a Ranger, I guess. What, what kind of emotions went through your body with that and how that kind of play out? Well, probably devastated, right? Like I, I understand uh, getting trade is part of the, the deal. And I, and I know that. And, and for the most part, you're okay with it. But I, you know, for me, I just bought a house in, in LA. I just signed a big contract with them after my big year. I talked to the owner. I said, I want to buy this house. He said, yeah, uh, go ahead. I'll never trade you. Um, you know, and, and I say to people, like, I, I got to play with Gretz for a year and a half. Like, I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to play with Wayne for three, four, five years. Right. Uh, I, like you say, I scored 150 points in, in one season with him. like, what would I ever do in 10 seasons? Right. So that was the most disappointing part. Not so much getting traded, uh, just because I was, I, I couldn't play with Wayne anymore. Yeah, you're on pace like 130 points that year. You know, you're another monster year with him. And uh, I, I yeah. guess, yeah, and you end up in the Rangers, which were a good young team then. And, you know, they were building towards what they were in 93, 94 with a couple more pieces there. Um, but you made an immediate impact in New York. You were, you know, a point-per-game player. I think they, they picked up Gartner, too, for the playoff run there. Um, and you guys, you know, I think you went to the second round that year. But what was your first thought coming to New York? Well, like I said, once uh, – 
it wore off that I wasn't going to play with Wayne anymore. You know, original six team, New York, Madison Square Gardens. You're obviously excited. Any athlete loves to play in New York, loves to play in Madison Square Gardens. Uh, they, they, had a, they had a good young team. Um, when I got there, it was actually Mike Richter's first year. Mm-hmm. We weren't in the playoffs when I got there. And I'd like to say, well, because of the trade, you know, uh, now we got in the playoffs. Mike Richter started playing, uh, took over for John Van Beesbrook, and Brian Leach is there. Um, the reason we got in the playoffs that year was because of the goaltending. He was outstanding, but it looks good on me because they traded for me. They're not in the playoffs, and now they're in. So <laughs> we'll let people decide however they want to take it. I'm just telling you, because of Mike Richter, we got in. Huh. So Richter and Van Beesbrook, they you know formed quite the duo there for a couple of years. You saw it play out. Uh, who was the toughest guy to go up against in practice? Who was tougher? In goal? Yeah. Uh, Mike, for sure. Yeah. And John was great. Uh, but Mike was, he, like, he was good. He was really good. And the reason why they end up winning a cup in 94, as much as, you know, Leach and Messier, uh, Kovlov, who they had, you don't win a Stanley Cup without great goaltending and, they had as good as any. And then uh, talk about young Brian Leach, you know, you play with a young uh, Larry Murphy too, two outstanding defense in their own right. Uh, how special was to watch him kind of grow into his career from when you saw him? Yeah. Um, he's obviously a special player, right? Uh, no one skated better than Brian. Uh, he was just so skilled, uh, quiet defenseman, right? but there was nobody in the league at that time that was more skilled at, at that position than Brian. He was awesome. What a super guy. And that next year was your first full year with the Rangers. You, again, point per game player again in New York. I, I guess when you got to New York, was there an adjustment? I know Hollywood is obviously Hollywood, but was there an adjustment like to the New York limelight as well? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. The only adjustment for me, like we never lived in the city. We always lived out. But as far as playing, right, um, what people don't understand, when you're in New York the, as a team, like our closest uh, 
trip in LA was Vancouver. It's, it's a three day trip. You fly today, play tomorrow, fly home the next day. So when, when we were in New York, you'd spend, we spent 30 more nights in your own bed than you did when you were in, in LA. So uh, travel is obviously so much easier. The, the problem for me was I came from the Smythe division where you play and you win eight, seven, six, five every night to a division that's two, one, three, two, tight checking, defensive style of a game, right? Roger Nielsen's my coach. Roger's kind of a more of a defensive coach. So obviously uh, my offense is going to drop a little and, and that's fine. That's part of the deal with the team. But it was more fun, trust me, playing in that old Smythe division, <laughs> running gun every night than tight check and two one hockey games. Who likes that if you're an offensive player? Yeah, no, I, I listen, even watching it's a lot better too, right? A lot more out. You watch the Battle of Alberta right. now, they go seven six, you know. You yeah. watch Rangers Rangers Islanders, they're going two to one, two nothing in games. It's a little more exciting for the uh the running gun style. That's right. Uh so that that ninety one ninety two year, just one game into the season. Uh, the Rangers make, you know, you were involved, you know, you had the Gretzky trade, which is the biggest in NHL history. The Messier trade is probably the biggest in Rangers history. You get trade to Edmonton for him. Uh, I guess that you, was there any rumblings that beforehand or was that a complete shock to you? Complete shock. I, I knew Mark was holding out, never knew about the Rangers, never knew anything about that. Um, you know, same deal, right? Uh, I, I, I buy a house. Uh, my wife at the time is pregnant with twins at bed rest. The, the general manager at that time said, you know, I said, I, I want to buy a house. Yeah, absolutely. I'll never trade you. Same friggin' thing. Right. <laughs> but the, the biggest problem with that, uh, is who I get traded for. I've said this different times, uh, as a centerman Edmonton, uh, or when I'm in LA played the Oilers you know, more than any other team because we're in the same division, had to go against Mark Messier. To me, Mark has always been my fiercest competitor as a centerman, right? The guy that gave me the toughest of any of them. He was the one that I didn't want to face anytime. And then when I go to New Jersey, who do I play in the playoffs? Is New York, Mark, face him again, right? <laughs> so I would love to have played with Mark. Uh, like I got Kratz. To me, I have the utmost respect for Mark. I just love him. Just an amazing player, amazing leader. I would have loved to play with him. But saying that, I've said this different times. As a Canadian boy, you got to play in Canada somewhere. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was Edmonton. And it was the best you could possibly imagine. Like, they've won so many Stanley Cups. Uh, they've always had great teams, great leaders. Uh, they, they teach you how to win. And for me, it was Edmonton, and who do we play first round of the playoffs that year is the L.A. Kings. And they have Gretzky, Curry, uh, McSorley, Charlie Huddy, um, Mike Cruz. They got half the old Oiler team, right? <laughs> now I'm with Edmonton, and we end up beating them in six games. So kind of uh, real gratifying for me there. It was a little special, obviously, uh, but still – Playing in Edmonton was really extra special for for me. I actually got to ask you about the the All Star game that you went back with Wayne that first year was in Edmonton. How weird was that going back to Edmonton with Wayne? 
what was awesome for me, right? Um, it'd be, it'd be a lot tougher for Gretz just because yeah. of where we played. But, uh, for me, that all-star game was, was unbelievable. We had, uh, Luke Robitaille came, um, uh, Steve Duchesne. So there was the four of us, right. And the, the cool thing about that is after the game was on Saturday and we, we had to play in Boston on Monday. So our team was flying to Boston Sunday and had to have a practice. So Gretz tells me to uh, say to Bruce, because he flew us in his private jet, look, we haven't had any time off. How about uh, we go to Atlantic City for the day and we, we'll fly in on Monday for the game. So Bruce calls the coach, Robbie Fittorik, and says, we're having uh, plane troubles. The boys won't be <laughs> in until Monday. So we flew to Atlantic City. We played cards there for the night and flew into the game uh, on Sunday or on Monday. It was perfect. Power of Wayne Gretzky, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. But he got me to he got me to tell Bruce, right? <laughs> so that was good. Um. So you you had two good times and two good years in Edmonton. There, you get traded to the Jersey Devils, uh, and then I once about the ninety three ninety four season where the Devils and Rangers were the two best teams in hockey. The Devils have this young goalie named Martin Brodeur, who at this point was just lighting the world on fire, and uh, he won the Calder that year. And you two were on a collision course and really one of the best conference finals people still say in NHL history. Uh, I guess what was the feeling on that Devils team about before that series started about beating the Rangers that year? How, how much belief that team had that they can you guys can knock them off? Uh, to this day, per player, coach, we knew we were the better team. We just knew it um, without a doubt. Um, I, I've said this before to different uh, to anybody. The, the best series I was ever involved in was that one, even though I lost, right? Uh, seven games, three into overtime, game seven, double overtime. And probably if you ask Marty, and Marty was unbelievable. And I would say to Marty every night, right? Marty, uh, you shut him out, we'll get you a win, right? <laughs> And trust me, he did one, one playoff game in, in Buffalo. It was, it ended up one, nothing in four overtime periods. They finally got a one on Marty, right? Like he was so good. Uh, Scotty Niedemeyer, Scotty Stevens. We just had Jock Lemaire as our coach. To me, we were just the better team. Um, if, if you look back at the goals, the two probably worst goals of Marty's career was we're up two nothing in game six. We should have won in game six. And we had a Billy Garen uh, with like a minute to go in the period. He's, he's stick handling around center ice instead of dumping it in. He, everybody's changing. He turns it over. Messe, Kovalov go down on a three on one and score. And then Mark scores probably the worst goal of his career. <laughs> Just coming down his, his backhand side, he backhand one of the net and it got in, you know, Mm. Uh, but we should have won that game. And then game seven, double overtime, just a terrible wraparound goal. Uh, but I mean, it happened, but still to this day, still feel we're the better team, but we just didn't get it done. So obviously we weren't. That's all about that. It's fine. I've never had anyone from the devils from that team on, obviously I've had a lot of guys in the Rangers on from that team. Uh, but game six, did you guys know about the whole Messier guarantee thing beforehand? Or was that something that just came out afterwards? Oh no, we knew about it, but you knew about that it, yeah. didn't mean anything. That, yeah, like Mark, everybody knows who Mark Messi is, and all Mark was doing is just uh, telling his team, you know, we're a good team, we're going to win. You know, like, like any leader would do. Um, 
So it wasn't like a bulletin board thing. Oh, wow. Look what Mark said. That's what probably any captain would say. And, and rightly so. So we had no problem with that. And even though that game six is known as the Messier game, I think of it as the Richter game because he stood in his head for the rest oh. of the game. There it was unbelievable. Absolutely. Uh, if you watch that game, it was two nothing at one time. It probably should have been four or five nothing. Uh, like I said, the reason they won the cup wasn't because of their great forwards or, or Brian Leach on defense. Obviously, they were a huge role, but Mike was unbelievable. As, and that you know you yeah. have to be. I mean, yeah, and in the you know Stanley Cup, he makes a save on Burray too. He was just fantastic that oh, entire yeah. playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he sure was. He was awesome. Uh, that game seven, though, you guys score, you know, just before the game ends there. How much, you know, all the confidence in the world in that locker room, I would assume afterwards, like how much momentum you guys had going to that overtime period? Yeah, same as game one. Uh, we, uh, we, we scored late to tie it and then won it in overtime. Uh, like I say, we always felt uh, – if you just need one goal to win, we know they're not going to score on Marty. We've always, every time we play, we knew the funny thing when, when, when I played in New Jersey, you just knew you were going to win every night because you knew they, they wouldn't score on Marty. Not that we did, you know, but uh, I remember our first series with Boston, Boston beats us uh, the first two games at home in our building. And we're going back there and, they're talking about how they want to uh, get get us out in a hurry. They, you know, get some rest for the next series. We beat them four straight, <laughs> right? Like it's just our our team was so good defensively. Uh, we just knew, and that, like I say, when when you got Marty Brodeur, we just knew we were going to win every night. We didn't, but that's that was the the confidence the mindset, that we yeah. had as a team. Yeah, uh, I mean, you played with some great goalies in your career. Is he the best one? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, loved Eddie Balfour. You know, Eddie was awesome. Mike Richter. Yeah, I got to play with Mike too. Um, but yeah, uh, without a doubt, I think for his time, uh, to me, there was no one better. And then after that, at the Devils, you wrap up your career playing a couple of years in Chicago and San Jose. But your coaching career kind of came full circle there for you. You returned to LA and you helped them win the cup in 2012. How cool was that? That was awesome. You know, uh, as a fan and playing in, in LA for most of my career, uh, that's probably where I'm most loyal. Uh, always watch them, always cheer for them. And I was just watching the one year and to me, they had a really good team, but their power play was just awful. And, and I called uh, Dean Lombardi at the time and said, look, I, I like to come out and help you with your power play. Right. Uh, I just think it needs some help. And so he asked, Terry Murray at the time was the coach and Terry thought, well, you, it should be a full-time thing. Uh, I don't think it's right. You just come in, whatever. Right. So he gets fired at Christmas time. Daryl Sutter gets uh, hired. I played for Daryl in Chicago. I played for Daryl in San Jose. And when I retired in San Jose, I even coached with Daryl a little bit, the remainder of that one year. So I said to Daryl, look, I, I'd like to come and just help you with your power play. Right. I'm not, I'm, I wasn't looking for a job. <laughs> I just want to help. And that's what I was trying to do earlier. And, Daryl said, absolutely. I'd love you to come out. Right. So I come out and third of January, they had a homestand there and, uh, work with the boys. And so after the, the homestand, I said, 
you know, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I'm going on the road. Uh, I haven't been on the road with the team yet. I want you to come. We went Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. We won one and tied. So uh, we won both Edmonton, Calgary, and then tied. I said, what do you want me to do? I want you to stay. Right. So I said, great. <laughs> so um, he just, you know, he was so good uh, with me. Uh, got to work with them all the time. Got like, I hung with the players more than the coach than coaches but the good thing about daryl and we work so well together because i said this different times daryl can be hard on players at time but in a good way right but the minute he yelled at you i just come behind you and pat you on the ass <laughs> and say you know what it's all right bud we're good you know and and we we work well and and to work with the players every day it's different sometimes an offensive player working with a another offensive player than like when when daryl was our coach uh, in San Jose, well, in Chicago, we had uh, Ronick, Chalio, Suter, Murphy, Amani. Daryl came in and he said, uh, okay, I don't play the power play. This is your power play. Work at it and just do it. But he wanted no part of it because that wasn't what he was good at, right? He just let us do it. I think we were like 24% or something. We were awesome, right? So same with that. Uh, when you're an offensive player talking to skilled players like Dowdy or Kopitar, you know, guys like that, they can relate more to me than mm -hmm. they would to Daryl. Mm -hmm. And, and it's easier coming right from a, another skilled player. So it worked really well. Um, it was so much fun that year and they just squeak in the last, uh, cause we were out of the playoffs for the better part of the, the season. We just squeaked in the last couple games or something like that. And just, just went on a roll. Same thing, right? Jonathan Quick was by far, he won the MVP, but mm -hmm. he was by far was the best yeah. player. Oh, yeah. And But we went, we played the President's Cup, uh, Vancouver Canucks. Went in there, beat them 4-1. Uh, went to St. Louis, who had the best home record in the, the league. Beat them four straight. And then 4-1 again against... Uh, Arizona, the Coyotes, Phoenix, and then uh, 4-1 against the Devils. Or so, uh, you know, it was like they just got on a roll and it was just ridiculous how well uh, how well they played. No, that team was, I mean, yeah, Quick was unbelievable. I mean, the Rangers saw it firsthand a couple years later too when they unfortunately knocked off uh, the Rangers there in another series that had a lot of overtime games and uh, some last-minute goals there from the Kings to break the Rangers' hearts which is still thought about. Yeah. Rangers are just out in LA. And of course they're showing highlights of uh, that series too, which is still heartbreaking for Ranger fans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, um, a couple questions before I let you go here. Um, was there a goalie that you had their number or a goalie that had your number? Was there anyone that you knew going into that night? Yeah. I can probably get, get one on him tonight. You know what? I say that uh, different times, right? It's like, and and Grant Fuhr, Hall of Fame goalie. Like, I scored more goals against Grant maybe than anybody. But, you know, I had success against left-handers. It's – I'm not being arrogant, but when you score that many goals, not many goalies have your number, right? Mm -hmm. um, I guess mine would probably be – but I didn't play him very much. Uh, Patrick Waugh or okay. Dominic Hasek. Well, I did. I scored – I had three goals and three assists to Buffalo the one night with Dom. But, I mean, um, you know, 
I think when you play against a, a team long enough or a goalie long enough, if you're good at what you're doing, you're going to eventually get to them anyway. So, but like Patrick Waugh was tough to score against. Dominic was tough to score against. Uh, I only played Marty uh, a couple times, I think, after I got traded from New Jersey. So, but they would probably be the three goalies that I would probably have the most trouble with. Okay. And then uh, the big debate, I feel like, you know, kind of now it's coming up more, I feel like, is the Gretzky versus Lemieux debate. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they want to say, oh, Lemieux, Lemieux stayed healthier during his entire career, could maybe reach. Now that Ovechkin's reaching the levels of uh, Gretzky, the goal scoring, you know, Lemieux's coming back in the conversation. What do you feel about that debate? Well, I think it's, and I think Paul Coffey said it one time the best, Gretz was the greatest ever. Mario had the most talent of anybody. How's that sound? That, that works for me. Yeah. Do you think? What do you think I, about Ovechkin getting the record? Do you think he's going to get it? I think if he plays long enough, he'll get it. Um, you know, he's he's been healthy his whole career. He's He's been an amazing goal scorer. Um, you know, I know, you know, Gretz is, Gretz will be there when he scores, but, you know, people always say like, you're always happy when someone breaks your record. Well, that's bull. <laughs> like no chance in hell. If you got a record, you don't ever want it to be broken. Uh, and you know, I would never want someone to score 71 goals in LA ever. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Um, I'd be there probably and I'd go shake his hand, but you'll know. And I'll shake it and go, but I'm pissed. You think I'm here to congratulate <laughs> deep, you? Know deep down, I mean? deep down. We know we're feeling deep though. Down, <laughs> deep down, Gretz, there's no chance in hell he would want anybody to break one of his records, but he's classy enough that he would be there. Um, you know, for me, you, you, uh, you have to have the utmost respect for, for what uh, OV's done. Like he's been unbelievable goal scorer for uh, every year he's been there. Like you can't help but root for him, right? Like I always root for for people to do great things. I do. And uh, if he can score nine hundred goals, a thousand goals, and that that's unbelievable, right? So yeah. uh, I honestly, if you're asking me who I would want to have the record, it would be Gretz. But I mean, uh, just because I'm loyal to him and. Uh, but if, if OV gets it, I'd congratulate him for sure. Is there a favorite guy you like to watch now? Absolutely. I've always been a big fan of SIDS, okay. uh, you know, Canadian boy, uh, for what he's done in his career, three Stanley cups, two gold medals, uh, the best player of his time by far, a great leader. Uh, watching Connor McDavid, like Connor McDavid has done things in the NHL that no one's ever done, right? Like you, you have like an OV come that's a great goal scorer. Like you have that all the time. There's guys that come in that can shoot the puck hard, right? Or do this or do that. No one has ever skated at the speed that this guy does with the puck ever. So what he can do, no one's ever done that. There, there's no defense against that. <laughs> Right. Like if you're a defender, I'd love for Tom to be out in the ice one time playing defense and have this guy coming down on him and Tom on an Island, like the words that be coming out of Tom's mouth when he's on his way down, you know, 
it would be funny, right? So <laughs> to watch him play every night at that high speed, what he does, it's awesome. But, you know, there's so much talent in the league right now, and I just, I just love watching great players do great things. Is there anyone that you see in your game in? Anyone remind you of your game? You know, um, you know, maybe Jonathan Tays. Um, you know, um, I think mine, like our, ours back then is just different because it was more physical back then. We could take the body. Like, I, I love taking the body. I love checking people. Uh, and I love blocking shots, doing things that most skilled players are not supposed to do. Uh, so I, I did that then. Uh, more so than a lot of people may have thought just because they wouldn't see me play as much when I was in California. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the physical part of the game, I really enjoyed, like I really enjoyed trying to take people's head off crossing the blue line, <laughs> like a Scott Stevens did. <laughs> um, all right. Last thing before I let you go uh, on top of my Christmas list, your brand new book uh, from floodlights to bright lights. Uh, congratulations on the book release and uh, just talk about how that came to play and uh, where people can pick that up. Well, the best place to pick it up is off my website because uh, all the money goes to the foundation and it's just bernienichols.com. Uh, but I, for me, it was, and, and the cover kind of tells my whole life story, right? Uh, from floodlights to bright lights. I grew up in a small town, like we talked about playing outdoors under floodlights as a kid, uh, skating on a, uh, a rank in our, in our school at our school. And then you go to, to Hollywood. Right. And for me, it's a journey. Uh, I had tragedy in my life, losing a child, uh, going to California, 10 million people, uh, hanging with celebrities, uh, playing with, guys like Gretzky, Lemieux, just the, the amazing athletes I got to play with uh, and the journey I took. I just think uh, when asked to do it, I just thought it would be an interesting read for people. So uh, I've got great feedback so far. And I say people, well, most of it's from friends and family. So they have to tell <laughs> me that, but I really think it's good and, and hopefully people enjoy it. That's great. Yeah, actually, uh, I, there's a great picture of you with John Candy, which I love. I think it's in the Rangers lock. Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Were you friendly no, with him? It would be the Kings. Oh, the Kings. oh absolutely. Okay. John would, yeah, uh, John would come with us on road trips. Uh, I was fortunate to go on a golfing uh, trip with John, uh, just four, four of us. And just, we, we went in a, like a four day golf trip with John Candy. It was unbelievable. What was he like on road trips? Great. He used to sit beside, we're in Toronto. There, there's, one time he sat right beside the bench. He was opening the door for us, you know, the team, because him and Bruce McNall were real close. And John was being Canadian, just a huge hockey fan and just loved the Kings. Uh, just a super guy. Like he was unbelievable. Was he telling jokes on the plane rides and everything too? Or like, was he playing pranks? You know what? No, he didn't. But uh, when we were on that trip, I was mocking or, I was going through planes, trains, and automobiles. I was being Steve Martin, and he was being himself uh, on that trip. It was funny. But John was just so much fun to be around. Uh, Tom Hanks. I went – Tom Hanks took me Saturday Night Live one time, wore my jersey on, on the uh, set when, when, we, uh, when it was over. It was unbelievable. 
So that's awesome. Some of the celebrities, some of the things I got to do, right. Just made for, uh, it was interesting. So hopefully people will enjoy that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, make sure everyone go pick up uh, Bernie's new book and Bernie, thanks so much for joining us this week. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again down the road. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Bernie for joining us this week. Uh, it was awesome to talk with him. Incredible guy, incredible hockey player, an absolute legend. And make sure you go check out his brand new book that just came out. You can go to BernieNichols.com. All the proceeds go to his foundation. And uh, his new book, From F uh, Floodlights to Bright Lights. And actually, the forward is written by Wayne Gretzky as well. So I am definitely picking that up. That is on my Christmas list this year. So please put on your Christmas list. Help out his foundation. And, uh, yeah, you'll hear more amazing stories from him just like he told on the podcast. And uh, I'm very excited to read that, and I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. And that does it for Episode 108 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. We're rapidly approaching our two-year anniversary, which is crazy. Uh, but thank you all of our listeners, as always, and hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a five-star review there. As always, we are donating now with the holiday season special now until uh is a new year's day i believe we're doing it three dollars will be donated to alex's laminated foundation to help fight pediatric cancer for every five-star review we receive on apple Podcasts. so go on there take literally 10 seconds of your day subscribe to the show leave a five-star review and three dollars be donated to an amazing cause to help fight pediatric cancer Please make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Spotify and leave us a five-star review there. You can find that show on Google Play, uh, Spreaker, Amazon Music, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. Make sure you subscribe. To, uh, so make sure you uh, follow the show on social media, on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod, my personal Twitter account at K Hall NY. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at the Broadway Hat Podcast. And thank you for listening. Hopefully next week we'll have some better happier vibes here on the show pick up some wins against these uh last place teams and a little bit of a homestand here and hopefully the rangers can start turning the season around a little bit but until then we'll see you next week Bye.